Hey there, folks. Welcome to this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. As always, um, I am Stephen Craig. I am your host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. And uh, happy Thursday to everybody. Uh, this week's topic, we're uh, we're move- going on to a little bit of sports, although sports in the more um, abstract concept- context. Uh, if, uh, if you hadn't heard on Monday, the Supreme Court uh, came down unanimously, in fact, um, ruling that the NCAA um, had to remove some restrictions in regards to compensation for student-athletes. And, and right now, it, uh, the Supreme Court's decision really... Uh, sort of at this moment opened it up towards um, quote unquote educational expenses. Um, and I- I'll be honest, this topic for me um, is a tough one. Uh, I- I'm all for, you know, for when it comes to things like uh, the uh, the athletes likenesses and the idea that they shouldn't be able to self-promote. Well, that to me uh, is where the NCAA takes it too far. Um they, it seems to me that the, they should be able to be compensated for the likeness, their likenesses in uh, video games or in uh, promotional materials. They should be able to, if they can, they're a good enough athlete and somebody wants to pay them to do a car commercial or something else, so be it. Those kids can use money. I, I have no problem with that um, because that money's coming from private sources. And I... This ruling where the idea is that they get educational expenses paid for, you know, college is expensive and these kids don't have a lot of money at that time and, and things like laptops, uh, travel expenses, tutors, those things seem like a reasonable thing that a, a university should be able to uh, provide for student athletes um, in the cases where they're providing that kind of monetary benefit to the school. But of course, where we're where this decision seems to be headed, where it seems to point the direction of the court and Brett Kavanaugh's, um, Brett Kavanaugh's, uh, not dissent, his, um, uh, his concurrence in that particular case, uh, to me, um, signals the idea that the Supreme Court of the United States is open to the notion of allowing student athletes to be paid. And that's a line that I think is really, uh, really dangerous because it, we don't see all the ramifications for that. Um, and that's what this week's truth in a thousand words or less is about entitled paid to play. In this ever contentious world of modern ideological and political warfare, it is nearly impossible to get nine people to agree on just about anything. I mean, shit, if you grab nine people out of a random crowd at Disney World and ask all of them if they like ice cream, you know there's going to be one belligerent ingrate that says no. Okay, maybe Disney World was a bad example. But the point remains that deriving a nine-person consensus these days is no small feat. And yet that is exactly where the United States Supreme Court came down on Monday when it unanimously affirmed a ruling that allows college student-athletes to be compensated in some restricted capacities, while simultaneously leaving the door open to further avenues of athletic pay. Brett Kavanaugh even got himself so fired up that he decided to stop doing keg stands just outside his chambers long enough to sit down and write an excoriating concurring opinion that essentially ripped the NCAA a new one. The NCAA is not above the law, Kavanaugh wrote. 
The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student-athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. Okay there, Mr. What-happened-in-high-school-stays-in-high-school-Kavanaugh. But does the NCAA really even have a quote-unquote business model? Of course college sports are a ravenous, profit-driven machine, but where exactly are these proceeds going? Certainly a disproportionate and unseeming, unseemly percentage of the windfalls of college athletics, primarily men's football and basketball, are going towards university officials and overpaid coaches. But in the end, colleges are not nonprofit institutions. There aren't scores of investors and CEOs lining their pockets on the backs of student-athletes. Sure, a few of the millions being reaped in, in by student-athletes are going into the inflated salaries of college presidents and football coaches. But where is the bulk of this money ending up? The reality is that much of the money being brought in by high-revenue college athletics is going to pay for the other sports that do not generate substantial revenue streams. Of 90 NCAA championships, only five, men's basketball, football, baseball, men's hockey, and wrestling, generate as much money as they cost to run. All of these are male sports. In order to meet the requirements from Title IX and provide an equal playing field, both literally and figuratively, for women, the NCAA needs to derive profits from these key sports to offset the losses incurred from the others. The men's Final Four basketball tournament, for example, brings in about $950 million, which sounds like a hell of a lot of money, but how are those funds then distributed? Well, for starters, over $200 million of that pie goes to finance student-athlete scholarships. Another $70 million goes to help fund Division II athletics, which are always struggling to survive. Finally, around $40 million goes directly to academic scholarships to help pave the way for young people to attend college who are there, lo and behold, for the purposes of getting an education. And education is, believe it or not, the reason these kids are all supposed to be in college in the first place. I fully recognize that the student-athletes who play a sport that do turn a profit at these universities are providing a monetized skill that benefits the university. But it's not like they aren't getting something in return. I had to pay a lot of money for that college degree that hangs above my desk. These kids are getting theirs for free. Meanwhile, the university is turning around and using the profits from basketball and football to help offset the ever-escalating costs of tuition and providing assistance to many earnest applicants who want to better themselves through education, but simply do not have the financial resources to do so. And yes, it is completely permissible for the NFL or NBA to dictate that their players have college experience. Every single school that has ever hired me has required that I have at least a four-year degree, and so do many other employers. Why should professional sports leagues not be allowed to require the same? In every other quote-unquote business model, we permit the employer to set the standards and hiring requirements for their employees. So why should professional sports leagues be any different? For now, the Supreme Court's decision is not strayed into the arena of allowing student-athletes to be paid directly for their participation in college athletics, but they certainly left that door open. I have no issue with student-athletes being afforded the remuneration for educational expenses, 
needed to take full advantage of their college experience, such as laptops, tutors, and travel expenses. But the court left open the idea that it might consider removing any restriction on compensation for players, a move that would not only hurt college students who might otherwise be eligible for need-based or academic financial assistance, but would lose that money in order to pay athletes who are not who are not only getting a free education, but are also likely to command a prodigious salary upon their matriculation, but would also do irreparable harm to the sports themselves. Back in January, uh, shortly after the national championship game, I highly recommend you read that piece. I explained why I simply had no interest in watching college football. Even as it currently sits, certain prestige programs, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, can spend their way to infinitely better chances of winning than other schools who do not have the requisite funds to compete in that environment. The result is that each year starts with only a handful of teams having a legitimate opportunity to win a national championship. Imagine what will happen to that disparity when colleges are allowed to pay players. The top national recruits will go to the highest bidder, and only the handful of schools that can invest that kind of money in their programs will have a chance to compete. Sure, fans of those schools will watch, but will anyone else? And when interest wanes and revenue streams dry up like Brett Kavanaugh on a deserted island without any beer, what will we all be left with? Thanks for listening to this week's uh, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Hope your Thursday or whatever day you're listening to this uh, is going well. Um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see at some point or another where um, where the Supreme Court comes down uh, when finally pressed. Um, several of the lawyers who took this particular case uh, to the Supreme Court have suggested that uh, this uh, that the, the ruling that they received, uh, and especially um, the opinion from Brett Kavanaugh, suggests that they uh, that they should take the case to the Supreme Court of of full pay. For players, and um, I, I, I really hope that it doesn't get to that point, uh, because when we sit there and go, "Oh yeah, athletes should get paid," everyone's on board with that until they realize where that money is going to come from. These colleges, right? Colleges aren't like an NFL team where they have gobs and gobs of money to just give out to everyone. Colleges use that money that they get from sports to pay for the financial the financial assistance for tuition for students who can't afford to go to college. They use that money to pay for the scholarships of athletes who are in sports that don't make gobs of money. They use that money to pay for the programs, the sports programs that don't generate revenue. Soccer, right? You name it. Soccer, gymnastics, um, all of these really wonderful sports uh, that otherwise wouldn't exist at the college level um, because of the fact that they don't bring in money. And if we sit there and allow, as it is, the, the vat, a lot of these players are full-ride scholarship athletes. And yes, it's true that only some of them will go pro. The ones that are going pro, they're going to get paid plenty in their lifetime. They don't. I know their career is short, but... Most people don't barely make a million dollars in their lifetime anyways. They make it in a year. They're, they'll do just fine if they invest that money well. I understand also that not all of those players in college and football, 
these sports that derive that, that you know and end up making a ton of money for the universities that a lot of these players won't go on to the professional level but they'll have a college degree that they can then use just like all of just that that is inevitably the end goal of all of this is for you to get a college degree and they would have paid nothing for it right now college tuition is close to 50 60,000 dollars a year Man, a lot of people in this world would love to make fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year before they even have a college degree. We shouldn't be quite so quick to just sit there and say, "Yeah, let's pay college athletes." In any case, I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's truth in a thousand words or less. Appreciate your thoughts or comments. Feel free to uh, go on our website and send them. Um, and uh, until next week, I hope uh, I hope all is well. Thanks everyone for listening. And peace out.